0: What's happening? Welcome to season three of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be black, British, and a poet or spoken word artist. If you are interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) Shirley, it's an absolute pleasure to be in conversation with you out of here. Listen, I'm trying to stick to as much as time as I can. Yeah, so I'm 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 on my good behavior right
1: now. Me too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: on my good behavior right now, and I think for me, um, I, I I wouldn't even know where to start. When I was kind of getting into the, the the mix of poetry and in the mix of oh, I'm now going cross border into all these different places and meeting different people. Um, I remember when I had a show in Manchester and it, was, it wasn't it was just as simple as like, oh, you're just going to have this kind of gig in Manchester. Um, oh, if you're going to go to Manchester, you definitely need to meet this lady called Shirley. Shirley May. And I was just like, hey, who's this? What's going on? And it was a blessing. It was a blessing to meet you and it was a blessing... Not only to, to meet you, but young identity, but also you welcomed me in your home. Like you fed me. I was like, what is going on here? This, this this is some 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 VIP treatment of, of someone that you just get into to know. And and I think it speaks to it speaks to you. It speaks to how community-minded you are. It speaks to the work you've done over the years and why you are so appreciated. And and even in starting, I just want to thank you um, for just welcoming you into in, me into your arms in such a way, and and supporting my own growth as a writer over the years. And I'm sure you probably heard stuff like that over time. And like, does it does it does it surprise you at all? Like, is it how do you feel whenever you you, you must you must have people that kind of speak to you with you in relation to the support over the years?
1: I I, I sometimes uh, uh, for me find it really embarrassing, um, you know, when people sort of like highlight, oh, you know, oh, I've stayed at Shirley's or um, Shirley's this or Shirley's that, because I suppose it's that thing that, what am I doing it for? I, you know, and when I welcome people into my home um, to break bread with me, it's never about just the poetry. It's about who I am as a person, mm. um, and and I take that from my father. My father was somebody who just made room for people you mm. know um and when my father died that's what was said about him i remember uncle ben i had nowhere to go he saw me with my bags on this on the corner and he just said come and not only did he say come i stayed for two years mm-hmm. in his front room while i got my feet on the ground um and you know and that's been my um upbringing to welcome people in so sometimes when people actually say thank you I almost feel embarrassed because it's not I don't do it for the thanks I do it because it's innate it was what my father did um the mandem used to all come around to my dad's as well so we had a, sh- a shop on princess road and again um he used to feed all of these men that yeah. just pop in you know and they sit in and then it just say to my mum, "Yeah, you can share a little dinner for everyone." And she was like, "I've cooked for just the kids, man." <laughs> but she would share a dinner for everyone and she would just make it work. So I think it was in both their personalities. My mum had hate children, so she was a little bit more conscious about how she was, <laughs> how sharing, was sharing, up sharing the food. The food. <laughs> but he always he was a great provider, yeah. uh, my dad, you know. So
0: um for those for those who are not aware about Shirley may, young identity, anything along those lines um how 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 would you like to introduce yourself to to to, to folks just listening in?
1: Well, and I always just
0: wanted to know a bit more about you.
1: Well, I always say that i I love a collective. um you know, I used to be I used to say I was a diehard communist, but I was never a communist. I don't even know what communism is, mm. but um, I was always about collective and collective working. I was, I've was. always been about equality of pay um, and that kind of stuff and I think that m- my roots start with Common Word which was a, a writing agency in Manchester it then moved on to Speakeasy which was a collective of poets and musicians who ran uh, a night in Manchester and I was an audience member mm. that later becomes the manager of that organisation and mm. out of Common word, young identity, apples and snakes. Who gave me my first commission to work with young people? It's incredible. Um, is how I, uh, uh, in a way, have created this this uh, young identity program, and and it started with a, a cohort of young women, um, all young women. And um, then later, a group of young lads joined the cohort. And before we knew it, we were doing an event for Apples that was called the Word Cup in 2006. And um, I did a piece of work. I also introduced lots of poets on it. It was really a commission for me, but I just shared the money. (laughs) Uh, I (laughs) I subcontracted it out to people who I thought that these young people should have connection with and, um, yeah, that's how Young Identity started, really. 2006, we did Word Cup. Um, We came back, and there was a young um, writer who's now um, a senior manager in probation called Condesia West, and she just went, right, so are we meeting next week? And I went, well, it's all come to an end. She said, well, are we meeting? What time are we meeting? Mm. And she absolutely refused to hear that the program had come to an end. Mm. And that's how Young Identity, which is... A a small charity in Manchester has started. Now, we've had many um, iterations and we've been under lots of umbrellas. But in 2018, we became a charity in our own right under my uh, school's programme, which is called Wordsmith.
0: Amazing. Um, We joked a bit before we we started to get all professional in our recording um, about... The Bangles, like you definitely know this, you definitely know, and you know the thing is, like within the within this poetry scene, there are there are folk, there are a few people that you it's synonymous with. This is their signature. Malaika Booker being one, Khadija Ibrahim, and and Shirley, you are definitely, you definitely carry this trademark also. And I just want to know a bit more about.
1: The, <laughs> the
0: bangles, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it is? Do you know? I ask that because one time I remember speaking with Malaika and 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 asking about that, and there was a story in which she shared with me. I was just like, "Oh, this makes absolute sense in relation to just the journey of the bangles and what have you." For you, you see what I mean? Like in terms of as a as a ritual process, um, when it, for you, what 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 is that connection with you? Because you can hear it; you definitely it's, hear it.
1: So for me, it's. Um, I'm I'm not like Khadija and uh, uh, Malaika or um, a mentor of mine, which is Suandi, and they have a lot of bangles. (laughs) (laughs) They they are synonymous with bangles. I'm not really synonymous with bangles. I have four bangles on my hand, maybe five. I have one that um, Suandi gave me after Mm. um, my handbag was stolen and my bangles that I do take off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went
1: with that handbag, and she gave me one at something that's called um, Cabaret for Freedom. Mm. One night, she just came up on stage and went, "I'll start you off again," and she gave mm. me a bangle. That's beautiful. Um, but you know, I would say that my daughter always says to me how she recognizes me—the uh, sounds that the bangles make. So if she's if she's lost, or she she knows that she can find me in a place because of the, the bangles. bangles. And my son says to me, "When you die, can I inherit them?" <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: ah! um, um, and um, but he's, not, he's only joking I mean he's gone you know you need to, you've got all of these grandchildren so I'm sure that they can all have one each if anything should happen to you but you see where he's put me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he's
0: got you set up already just he's like, got me what? set
1: up man for inheritance money and that yeah. you know what I mean but um, no uh, he as well says that you know it's a way of knowing that you're in the house you know if I, I come in and I call mom. Mm. Um, I, and I hear the jingle. I know she's upstairs, or I know she's in the kitchen. So yeah. there is,
0: there is, there is a story behind each situation. Whether you're talking about your daughter, or whether you're talking about your son, I think what what is beautiful about you is that you you just there's a story that comes out of these situations. Even if you're talking about your dad, and in thinking about and in thinking about that a bit closer. And if we link this now to your poetry, your poetry, let's put Young Identity to one side. The poet that is Shirley May, can you, do you mind talking a bit about, and I'm really interested because the thing is, the thing is, right, a lot of the time when we, when there is a conversation with your name in the mix, Young Identity often comes with it. And right now I'm just like, nah, 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 let's park that for a bit and let's focus I wanna focus on on you. Like I wanna focus a lot in relation to that because no. (laughs) I think it's I think it's very important to acknowledge that you two are a writer. You two are of, of your sound and mind and idea. And 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 hey, listen! Awesome, awesome photography. I, listen, I, see your photos here and there. I see those. I see those those covers for the, for the for the albums and the EP. All of that stuff is you, and it's not the collective. And I really want to focus about. I want to focus on that. Let's start with the poetry first. How did you come into writing and poetry?
1: So, um, for me, um, not many people know that I am uh, a Christian. And um, I don't go to church. Um, I find the institution a little bit uh, restraining, Mm. (laughs) especially if you come from um, a Caribbean uh, charismatic church, there's just too many rules. So I'm a rule breaker. Mm. So I started, um, my first poem that I ever wrote down was something after I had been and seen a great preacher and um and it was a little ditty it was and I, and it's something like this it goes the heart is the organ that encounters pain the place that also peace should reign it's the place that makes a father stand up and provide and the mother can't remember the last bit and the mother mm. and then um, and whatever it was i was like oh where did that come from because i w- i was not The most academic at school, I was, I had uh, been diagnosed as um, uh, dyslexic. Mm. And I thought that meant stupid um, Mm. because I struggled to read. And, um, but then a friend of my mother's did my uh, IQ and she went, You've got a really high Q. And a lot of dyslexics have very um, um, high IQs, but struggle. Mm with the, the written word um so that's the poem came to me in a dream and i've not stopped writing ever since yeah. um and you know i've had little ditties that come and i and one for freestyling and not writing things down because i struggle to write and read as a child um yeah. and i and i have lots of software like dragon speak and this that and the other and um and Grammarly and all of that stuff. Mm. But I still have on the bottom of my emails a disclaimer saying, if this email comes when my brain is not working, it will be dyslexic. Mm. You know, um, So I, I think that I struggle to write anything down because of fear of people saying, oh, well, she can't write. So now I don't care. Yeah. So if you see my Twitter, you know it's mad. <laughs> some, there is a, sometimes it's got an <laughs> is in it and a thing in it, and I'm using them. Um, software that sometimes changes the, yeah, yeah. the writing as i press send and trust me because i'm dyslexic i don't see it i only see what i've said yeah um so in terms of how i how i write i write from a, a narrative perspective I, i'm a storyteller you are right there's always mm-hmm. a story in me mm-hmm. and um nicole or my daughter who works with me as our ed at young identity always says "Cut to the chase man <laughs> Um, I want the meeting to end in 30 minutes not an hour <laughs> so now I let her chair all meetings um, so that we've you know we, we're on time and we've, we've got a lot to do yeah. but my writing comes from the fact that my mother was a person who journaled yeah. and I um, we used to sneak her journal and read about how she was cussing my daddy right. oh, seriously uh, yeah we did we, <laughs> trust me trust me we did get some beatings <laughs> now and again <laughs> Because what we would do as well is when we were teenagers, we'd sometimes trace her back with something that we'd read. No way. Um, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> but what was great, and one of my poems in my book, which is called She Wrote Her Own Eulogy, was yeah. we got her instructions for her burial from her journal. Wow. And one of the poems that she writes is like, put me in my cream suit. So it's a found poem. Put me in my cream suit put me in my shoes because I don't want to meet my maker with my, with my bare foot. Um, and she also says in it, play Rod Stewart at my funeral. Don't you think I'm sexy? And I'm like, "Mom, how are we going to play this in a Pentecostal church? This but we is, did.
0: This is the wishes. This is it. This yeah, is
1: it. So, so my writing comes from storytelling and observation and Yes, I'm glad that you said it's not about young identity because actually people ring me and they'll go, I've had awards because of young identity. Mm. Um, I'd like an award because I'm a writer.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah. And I'm a storyteller. And I think the stories that I tell are as interesting as the work that I do with the community and young writers and those young writers that I try to promote and push forward because I think they are at risk of being excellent.
0: You know, sometimes I am, um, thank you, thank you for that. And and again, I wasn't, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I expected an answer like that or just a thought process like that. I think about some of the poems that I write over time and some of the poems in a book. And I'm like, oh, the thought process behind this, nobody will ever know what it is. But then even in you talking about your, <laughs> even in you talking about, you talking about the process of some of these poems in your own book. It, it, do you ever wonder sometimes, that, oh man, if you only knew the research or the background to this? Because people, for the most part, people are just going to pick up the book, read a poem, feel something, move on. But if yeah. they heard some context of what was behind it, you know that you might enter the poem differently. So it almost feels like I want, as, much, as well as the poetry book, sometimes I almost want like another another book that kind of talks about what it was about the process the process all of these things because then you start realizing that 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 there's a lot of emotion and heart that goes into some of this and 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 time and and insecurity and and fear and all of these things you still overcome and you just still manage to write this you know
1: Ah. Absolutely. I mean, my biggest thing is that I work with some genius young people. And, that you know, when they open their mouths, you just kind of think, wow. Mm. Um, And then, you know, even as a a writer who's been around for a long time, it took me a long time to publish my own collection because of imposter syndrome, because of the dyslexia, because of all of those things. And one of my greatest encouragers was my daughter, and my son who were saying, but we've read lots of these poetry books on your shelf behind you. And yeah. Mom, your work is just as good as and, and as valid as any of the poets that are there. But imposter syndrome is real. And mm-hmm. you can feel as though, you know, you're not quite as literary as some people, and you're not as educated as some people, and therefore I don't wanna I don't wanna put my work out because it's gonna be scrutinized and criticized. And I had to get over that. And yeah. with the help of Isaiah Hall and Reese Williams, who were young writers in my um, uh, collective, they laid my work out one day on the floor into mm. the collection that it is. Yeah. And you know, I had other people advise on the work and asked me to re-edit. And of course, once it went to an editor, the book was <laughs> massacred. <laughs> Um, and as my mother would say um, don't ask me what it means Um, look it up if you can find it and there's a translation for it Um, but it was like these are the things that we're going to rewrite about it these are the things that you need sorry these are the things you need to rewrite about it these are the things that um don't quite make sense and don't scan. And I was really happy for that input because I give that input to others, but yeah. don't often get it back because I'm leading an organisation yep. of poets and young people. So it's really nice to have somebody critique a piece of work and and support it. Can we,
0: can we talk a bit about the other mediums that you've taken your art into, like theatre, like... Music, um, and what 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 brought you there? What brought you your point of curiosity? You could have just stayed at a book, you could have just stayed at a collective, for example. But why why these other why these other art
1: forms? Because I'm an artist. I'm I'm not just a poet. Um, I started. I draw. I paint. Mm. I've got paintings um, that I do. I don't have much time for my paintings as I used to. I used yeah. to make time for it, but I don't really do that now but um and i was always part of a collective where music very similarly to as jaw dance speakeasy um had music at the art of um the the night yeah and um so the album came from one of uh, my old collective a guy called clive hunt busher productions Mm. um inboxing me at the same time as a record producer saying that they wanted to work with me and to send some beats over for me to do the work we sense. knew that we all know each other so we had instead of ha- just having music from one person or one person's insight i i gathered those people together mm. and said should we do something together and mm. so i work we worked with um a legendary producer called johnny jay so produced a lot of um popular music yeah and clive hunt and Bringing those two genres together is, is almost an expectation because that's how I started. I started doing in very much a beat poet poetry mm-hmm. to music, poetry to jazz, um, poetry that is rhythmical um, and lends itself to a live audience. Mm. Um the photograph that's on the front of the book was taken by my daughter because she's a keen photographer. Mm. So all photographs, the majority of the photographs that you see of me, have been taken by Nicole. Um,
0: who who visualised that? Who? What was the What was the mood board in terms of? And if you don't mind, just talking a bit about like what the the photograph was because they looked like they were proper like staged. We need to plan this. We need to set this out. This is how we're going to take it. It wasn't your well, standard photo shoot.
1: Well, it it was done in this room. Would you? you <laughs> would you believe <laughs> it was done in this room with a uh, with my black tablecloth as the background. <laughs> um, um, my dining table used to be in this room, and so it was literally done on my dining table before my bookcase was in on yeah. this back wall. Wow! And um, my, uh, I'm pointing at a back wall, and people don't know what because it's a podcast, it's a po- but a yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wall yeah. in my room, and um, and she. And she threw up this uh, backdrop and said, right, your first poem that's going to be released is called Nine Night. Let's think about what Nine Night is. And it's dominoes. It's white rum. Mm. It's the Bible because you've got the mad, the the bad man them and the church people yeah, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. all mingling, in the same mix. Yeah, yeah, right. They're all in the mix, and so she came up with the the visual concept for it. The hat that is now mine was her hat, mm. <laughs> my daughter's hat. You just took and, the hat, boy. And she was like, she was like, we brought down several, and she was like, <laughs> that's not working for me. Try this one, and she went, "Cause you're gangster." <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: uh, 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 you know so i had like a big floppy church hat and she went nah 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 we need something that's crisp yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. says this is mommy you know and um and that's where it came from the concept for the for the look of the album and the photo shoots were hers um and it was based on the material inside of the poem
0: i i whether it's whether it's slam, I remember jaw dance very well with the exchange, that was incredible. And, I, and and the reason why I raise that is whether it's a jaw dance, whether it's the photo shoot, or whether it's theatre or just you and your stories, I think the offer in a way in a in a really interesting way, the offer is what you what we bring to the table as like artists. It it, it it has to surpass just what's like on the page, for example. So, you know, you might read the poem for reading a poem's sake, but at the same time, what other ways can you bring life into whatever you're doing? So in slam, you have to be creative in how you get these words across in terms of performance, you know? And I don't, and I, and, you know, you was talking about the imposter syndrome, the kind of like literary field to a certain degree, but what, always amazes me sometimes what I forget is the amount of skill that I have that I can that I'm bringing to the table
1: Absolutely. that
0: that for the most part the literary field could do more of in terms of how to kind of really breathe life into some of these words or bring some ideas onto the table and I don't know if you have those moments whenever those that kind of imposter syndrome hits and you'll be like hold on do you know how many skills I have got under my belt? And like, what, what, what are you talking, what, what I can do right now with this poem, or what I can do with this group poem?
1: And do you know, how- it, yeah, it, it's really weird that you do that with the young people who you're mentoring. All your skill comes out as a mentor, um, and you tell them, um, "This is what it ought to be." I've always, I'm, I'm comfortable with my performance. I think that um, I'm a good performer. It took me a long time. To actually perform from paper or book, I used to do a lot of freestyling because Mm. I did not want a piece of paper in my hand. And I always felt like because I've got stories that live in me, I can find a story and just make it happen. And I can remember a poet called D.K. Omerjay. I always big up um, R.I.P. D.K. And um, he used to say to me, just read your work. Just read Mm. your work. But I'm a dyslexic reading a piece of work that i'm going to stumble over and that's not what i want my audience to see i want them to see something that's slick that feels professional and feels rehearsed Um, and i remember doing this poem about fluffies in jamaica and i and i won't talk about what well yeah I, i had a me i thought it had one meaning and it had another meaning and, yeah. um, and it was about the larger lady that um, gentlemen might like, but it also meant something quite rude. Oh, my God. And I remember doing this poem and freestyling this poem and, um, you know, literally getting um, a whistle. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I then had to write the poem because mm, I performed yeah. the poem freestyle, having oh, gone to Jamaica to and experienced it. And then I had to get oh, the okay. footage to write the poem. Right, yeah. And um, and I remember somebody coming up to me saying, uh, DK coming up to me and saying, you need to write your, you need to read your work. You need to read your work. And I realized at the time that he had, he crafts his poem. He thinks about every word that goes into the poem. Yeah. And I do now, but I didn't then.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Um,
1: And it was about telling a story, but I got the response that people connected with what I was saying. But I also saw that they got the connect, he got the same connection for a piece of crafted work. So he was like, hmm, how dare yeah, yeah, you get the same response yeah. for a crafted poem? And I'm just like, you know, it's not that the audience is fickle, it's that I actually, in a way, before I decide what I'm going to say, I know the story yeah. and I know the tricks about repeat and um, having a chorus. They're already embedded in me. Mm. So those techniques of delivering poetry are uh, inside of me even if I do a free freestyle, but now I don't. I read my book yeah. and I take time to uh, understand my own words and the words that I want the audience to feel. I feel something at this point.
0: That that um, it that, to me that feels like a really that feels like a real significant point in your own journey. However, you might have a specific. Point that you remember clearly that 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 absolutely takes off a proud moment of your journey um would you mind sharing that? Do you have
1: one yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have and one? i'll t- and I'll tell you what it is I went to um, in, I, I don't know what the, um, the seaside town is uh, in London, that's near you guys, South End. South mm-hmm, End. Mm-hmm. So I went to, see that really bad London accent, South listen, End. listen
0: Listen, listen, uh, I'm not <laughs> going to try, I'm not going to try Mancunian anytime soon. I'm going to so shame w- myself in there real quick, no way. So
1: I went to Blackpool in, Man- uh, Blackpool in Manchester, Man- Blackpool, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, which is the closest sort of like seaside place to me, yeah, and a girl came running up to me, gee, 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 you know, like a uh, six million dollar woman. And anybody listen to this from a certain age won't get it, but they came running up to me like the bionic woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just stopped me and she went and I went, Yeah? And she said, oh, that lady that did the knife poem, and I went, uh Where did you see that? she went, I was at this theatre called Contact Theatre, something called Decipel, and you did a poem about a bread knife. I've never forgotten it. You were scary, but it was great. Amazing. And having that experience, Mm -hmm. I'm in Blackpool. Mm -hmm. A young blonde lady comes up to me. So I'm thinking I'm impacting black kids in black Mm -hmm. communities. Mm -hmm. This woman comes up to me and says, actually you you left me with a picture um, yeah. of a of a poem um, and I recognised you from it. And I was like, wow. So that was quite impactful.
0: Um, what Can we touch on your activism for a bit, if you don't mind? Um, you know, what you said there was really, was, was really, was important in, terms, in the sense of your thinking, your work is just churning out to like the black community to a certain degree. Like the idea that it might be beyond that, especially in Blackpool coming up to you to be like, oh, you done, this. you're just like, whoa, 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 my work is doing this. Um, in, in relation to your activism, how has that grown over time? Now there might be, you know, we're dealing with like a younger generation who, who are just like, they are proud of exactly what they stand for and they talk on it. Um, and, But it still took some steps in order to get to that position, to get to that point. How, how was that for you in terms of like finding voice and, and so, for what you stand for?
1: So the collective that I joined was called Identity at Common Word. Um, it was a collective that was started by uh, Sue Andy, um, props to her. Lem Cisse, props to him. And later run by Peter Kalu, props to them. Yeah. And for me, they all said, be authentic to what your politics were and to who you are and to stand your ground in, um, in what you believe. Um, yeah. And more so for me, Suandi, you know, she's always been a standout character that hasn't minced to her words where black activism is concerned, um, sometimes scarily, you know. Um, what I remember somebody calling me online Empress and she got on uh, and Empress. said uh, she went calling, her, uh, <laughs> calling me Empress, I think it was Khadijah Ibrahim and, um, and Sue came on and went, when did you steal my title?
0: Oh. And, I, and, I went,
1: and I went back and said I am happy to be your handmaiden Uh, I'm happy to be the handmaiden of the Empress. I really don't want a title in that way. And um, it was just a funny moment between us. And I I really love that, you know, that Mm. we can have those moments of... um, you know, connectability. But she stood her ground where, you know, politics was concerned So, and um, the closing of theatres and um, the youth centre and uh, and all of those things. Um, I have stood my ground against, you know, when youth services closed down. I wasn't afraid to stand up and say, the, the governments of the time, you're taking the mick. Um, when they closed the green room down in Manchester, it was one of the places where black um contemporary art, poetry, performance, live art was being shown. Mm. It was closed down, I, you know what? I got up on the, uh, you know, there's a, somewhere, this is an absolute p-take, you know? um, And so I've always stood up for what I believe to be right. um, And I've always asked the young people to not allow me to censor their political stance, whatever it is, Mm. and sometimes, it's a stance that I don't agree with Yeah. how, you know, I remember one boy writing a poem and like I said, you know, I, my background is um, the Christian faith and he'd seen a photograph and I'd asked them to respond to pictures like you do, you know, tell me the story of this picture, tell me a poem. Yeah. And he'd responded to it and it was quite a blasphemous poem. Mm. And he went, you won't like this. And I went, it's absolutely crafted beautifully. You're right. I don't like the sentiment, but that's not about me. That's yeah. you know that's about what you want to say about this subject matter. Yeah. So whatever it is, I'm not going to tell you to be me, and I wouldn't write this, and um, because I'm afraid of getting struck by a bolt of lightning. Yeah. Um, if you want to be lightened <laughs> up, that's up to you, babes. Um. And it's on. Sorry. And it's and it's that that I say where your political voice is, be true.
0: Because the thing is, to what your own values are. And if you're met with something that kind of kind of goes, because you spoke on religion, you spoke about kind of faith to a certain degree as well. And if you're kind of met with things that kind of question that, that jar it. Do you see what I mean? Like you still have to kind of find yourself within your own professional context in terms of the collective that you run, but then also individually where you stand yeah. and, and how you kind of meet with that as well. And well,
1: yeah. That. yeah. I try not to influence too much about who I am as a Christian. Cause like I said, I don't go to church. I, I, I go to churches. Yeah. So when I feel like I need to go somewhere, I find a place to sit quietly in, even though you wouldn't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I also love to chat, but I, this is the, root, the room that I'm in right now is my peaceful space. I come in here and I just sit, and I can sit in here for hours, mm-hmm. not writing or thinking. But um, not 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 thinking, but thinking, but not speaking. And um, for me, it's my job is to facilitate a space for young people to grow, to expand, for them to write about their their, their identity, their identity politics, the the politics of uh, uh, Pakistan against uh, Bangladesh against partition. Um, it's 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 about allowing uh, we've had jewish children in our group and uh, pakistani children in our group they've clashed and Mm. i've gone actually i want you to write your authentic truths Mm. and let's then have a discussion about the um, the the human side the suffering that people have when we don't find a common human ground Mm. to live with each other so okay you know your parent is this This person is that, you're this. But what about our humanity in all of what we're doing? All of what you say is valid. Your politics is valid. But you know what? A lot of politics brings with it a lot of violence, a lot of destruction and a lot of death. How can we say what we want to say, have our opinion, but not cause real harm and injury to others um, and to be mindful of each other in spaces where your politics and your... uh, religion might be uh, something that I don't agree with. Um, I'll just say this. Can I just say this? I had one, a a girl once say to me, um, um, in a group that was predominantly black, but you're not being beaten now, Mm. you know, as a black person. Mm. And I didn't didn't pull her in that space, but outside of the space, I I said to her, um, um, because she tried to identify that um, being... LGBTQ and um, slavery and the punishment of slavery was the same. And I had to say to her, I had to educate her outside the room. Mm. and say so It's two different things. And you cannot say in a group of black people, you're not being beaten now mm. um, without some backlash. But you know what? Those young people honoured our space and didn't attack her um, or come with their you know, ideologies. Um, what they did was they let her speak her speak. And then I spoke to her separately to say, actually, there's some areas that I think that you maybe need to think more carefully about and where you say the things that you're saying and to whom.
0: Um, You you are booked and busy. So I don't want to um, keep up all your time within here. But I do have like some thoughts just while I have you, right? I For someone that's been in this, and you've seen, you've seen the scene shift, shape. you've seen new prizes come in here, you've seen prizes go, you've seen collectives here and there. For you personally, um, when, when does it get a bit tough for you as an individual, Let's, as the poet, not even as the kind of the director? Let's just kind of keep it as, if we're talking as you as a writer, in terms of maintaining your creativity, when does this get tough and how do you kind of push through that?
1: Um, I think, um, I think life is tough, yummy. Um And I think that for my creativity, I try to give myself some time. So Saturdays, I try not to work for Young Identity. I sometimes find myself at an event, but I try to make Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday, mine, my family's, my writing. Um, and that is a place where I kind of try to, Limit other other people influencing it or coming into it unless I have to mm. the tough areas that I find is that there is a literati out there that makes decisions about who's good, who's going to win a prize, who's this, who's that, and I find that um and I mean the black literati as well as what I would say the white literati mm. um, who, who lead the, the literature industries here in the UK. I find it sometimes very narrow mm. in the way that they approach who they're looking at. Um, I really hate flavour of the month things. And there feels like sometimes there's a flavour of a month or there can only be one. So there can only be one Manchester poet. Um, and God love him, he's to say. even though he sometimes lives in London. <laughs> um, there can only be one poet in Liverpool, and that's T- Levi Tafari. There can only be one poet in Isyomi, And I just don't like that. I think mm. that there's room for um, the industry to really grow, nurture, and support lots and lots of writers, and lots of writers that are not young. That They're, they're coming in from my age. I'm 60 now, and I'm still scrambling around for that book deal well mm. I've, i mean i have got a book but it wasn't a deal <laughs> wasn't. no one yeah, 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 no yeah. one, no right. one said take a year off and go write and just, me a book yeah. about this yeah. i mean i know that it's it's not the same for poets as it is for you know novelists and stuff yeah. but that investment yeah. that investment that is not about the literati but about talent
0: um would you mind sharing a poem from uh, this 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 beautiful darling book of yours of like
1: this book is all about what my mother used to say (laughs) right and some of it I've I've expanded it it's what I say but it's really about what my mother used to say so I've written I'm going to read a small one because of the time and it's called Judge Not Lest You Be Judged my mother taught me to love myself and neighbours even if their lifestyle was not one of the class she hoped her children would pursue righteousness, even though there were occasions when she was not practicing. She said, mothers always want something different for their children.
0: Mm. (laughs) Um, What are you working on right now?
1: I'm working on about three different books. Um, I've got one to uh, about 140 poems. Um, but you know, it's only going to be eighty or less that will go into the new collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I've worked, and I've so the, in COVID, I wrote quite a lot. Um, so I've do, I've got a COVID collection. I've got i I've got about three collections, all just on just my phone.
0: Tuck. Just waiting,
1: just waiting, just waiting for me to find the time to craft it more to edit it and make it into something more. But at the moment, I'm pushing the album, Rainfall.
0: Are there, are there um, any other, like, whether books or songs, films that you're watching, listening, reading right now that are kind of pushing you, or helping you with that process?
1: Well, I really, are you really asking me that when I've been pointing you, to you, your, you, your own face? So I recently, um, I, I recently worked with uh, uh, Raymond Antrobus um, yeah. and Raymond had um, four books on his um, table to buy. Mm. And um, when I brought it up on Amazon, um your book was in that for mm. for collection and I was like um I'm going to definitely buy Yummy because I need to read Yummy to see how how gonna win all them prizes because <laughs> me because one day I'd like to win a prize Yummy, and um and and I bought and I've been reading um Anthony Joseph because Anthony was also at Uh, a cabaret for freedom and you did a cabaret for freedom before your book came out Anthony did one after his book came out so I love um, um, the sonnets of Albert um so I've been reading that I, I'm an eclectic reader, so I, I do what I do with the Bible. I open it up and I do this. And then if I think that this is telling me I need to go back seven pages, I don't go then back the seven back. pages. It's a really and interesting way. I'd never uh, considered that. I, I, I you know, so if I want to read Revelation, I read Revelation, is it? If I wanna read uh uh and so that's what I'm reading at the I'm reading you at the moment. Um, um the mannerisms. I can't do it because it's like, you know, the manner, the mannerisms. <laughs> so I'm reading mannerisms at the moment. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. Yeah, yeah, I, am, yeah. I actually bought these, but I put it on my I Twitter. I got your tweet. Yeah, I got your yeah, tweet. Yeah, you see. Uh, I got your tweet. Uh, and, and that's down to Roman anthropists. Because I look at what you literati, because I don't. I feel very much like the CEO of Young Identity. And mm. people don't take notice that I'm a poet. Mm. I'm lying, really, because I'm doing something for the Imperial Museum on Windrush in a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months. And um, so I do get work. I'm going to run off to do a performance now for the Windrush mm. um, generation who are having a meal in Manchester. So I, I do, do I do perform. I am out there trying to do my work because I'm 60 and young mm. identity needs, I need to hand the baton on yeah. to a younger generation, we've just got MPO. I want to see it through its first three years, but I'm going, everyone, Um, and I need people to support that I'm going at some point. Yeah. Um, And and, and it will need a new ED and it will need a new CEO.
0: And I think as as we're rounding up this conversation, because you're, like I said, booked and busy, and I'm very thankful that you took this time I think yeah I definitely double down on not necessarily talking much about young identity and, and focusing just on you because I Thank think you. there is there is something that is very significant and is in, and is core to the fact that at the point that you do pass that baton on the flowers needs to be there in relation to to Shirley May of Shirley May. Do you know what I mean? Not Shirley May think. of Young Identity, but just Shirley May. And I think I'm very thankful that we just had this kind of discussion. I didn't know you painted. I didn't know all of these different things. I didn't like and I think that's what we miss when when we kind of cloud this the individual with the collective and a bigger, broader situation as opposed to kind of just saying, no, before this point. There was this, and I think it's it's important that we kind of pay attention to that, and we celebrate that that journey, and we continue to celebrate that journey. And I look forward to to, to the next books, next set of books when it's ready to hit the, hit the streets. Um, Shirley, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. And
1: I absolutely thank you for inviting me as Shirley May and not young identity. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, it's been lovely. And come soon, come and eat. Yes, Bring the listen. babies.
0: <laughs> Barely ready. Yeah, I, mean, I ain't bringing them. They're going to my food. What do you mean?
1: I'm going to be eating my own food.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode, and I hope you have enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Thank you to our audio producer, Drew Hawley, at the Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to applesandsnakes.org. And follow at Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you are hearing, please,
1: please
0: subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.